Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, Elder Candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. I'm still mad. Why? Because of lunch. Because of lunch. Why would I not be mad? Are you mad because of your eye? No, I'm the, my, my eye is fine. I'm mad at you. No, 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 no. no let, me tell, let me tell everybody what right, happened. You can tell let me the tell story of your zombie all eye. Right, so, all right, so I have... My eyes messed up. Yeah. I have acute iritis. Otherwise it's known a, as pink eye. It's not pink eye. It's pink it eye. is not pink eye. It's pink okay, eye so, and it's that size. So four years ago, I had this thing, and I went to my doctor, and the doctor said, uh, you've got pink eye. And, and so you got I, pink I, eye. So, okay, so I went, and I took the medicine. How do you get pink eye? Though? And it didn't get, don't worry about it. So I, it didn't It didn't get any better. It has something to do with poop. That's all I know. That's Fecal all you know. bacteria. Okay. So they said pink eye. You're I, I don't too know close how I got to it. it. And then uh, I know you're full of it, and you're talking all the time, so maybe that's why. Maybe I got that's it. But anyways, so well here's played, the, here's the thing, uh, I, and it got worse and worse. My eyes started hurting, and it got worse, and so I I went to a, an eye doctor, and he goes, "That is not pink eye. You need to go see a specialist." He because, says that's worse. That's hot pink eye. Oh, that's uh. And then so I went to this other guy, and he said, "You need to go to the specialist." So I did go to another guy, and they said, "You're losing the sight in that eye. Your eye is swelling up. The retina is being scratched. You yeah. have acute iritis." So so I got it taken care of. That was like four mm-hmm. years ago, and he goes, "It can come back." So it came back Sunday after church. So I went to the doctor yesterday. I sent yeah. Jimmy pics. We'll put it up on the show notes. So you guys, are you really going to show? Oh, sure, you, put it okay, up Joe wouldn't let uh, me share it with anybody. No, because I, I didn't want you to embarrass my wife, but I can embarrass my wife. So, anyways, <laughs> so um, so today it's Wait, getting better. What does better. your wife have to do with it's your pink eye? It's getting better. It's getting better. It's not a, it's not pink eye. It's good. So we were we were having lunch today. Mm-hmm. I was buying. Yeah, nice, finally, nice. Yeah, finally. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. No, it wasn't was, cheap. No, it wasn't I made cheap. him pay. Okay, so we had, and on the way out, he's like, "Excuse me, miss." No, and then you did, and he points at my eye, and he goes, "What's wrong with his eye?" And she goes, "You've got pink eye." And then a lady sitting by herself right next to us turns around to looks, and he goes, "See, that's pink eye." And she goes, and the lady goes, "That's pink eye." And so strange ladies talking to us on the server, looking at my eye, and I go, "No, no, it's not pink eye. It's not pink eye." I told her to disinfect then, the table. After. And then and then he brings up the photo on his phone that I sent him with my red eye when it was really bad, and he's showing it to the strange lady. He's showing it to the server, and they're like, "Oh, that's definitely pink eye." And I said, "It's not pink eye. It's I go, a cute eye." So gross. I go, "You are so disgusting." And, and then he, you know what you start doing? You start rubbing your pink eye and yeah. wiping on. On the server's shoulder. No, I didn't. I rubbed it on you on the and way on the, on way, the way out. out you on the it on way out. She, she, <laughs> on the way out, she goes, "Wash your hands." And I go, "Oh yeah." Boop. And I touched my eye and I put it on her shoulder. <laughs> Anyways, thanks a lot. I'm not. Why they love us? There. Yeah, yeah, they do. They actually <laughs> they like when we come in. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm a little. I'm a little sensitive. So we. Well, I need pink to eye will do that. Let's pink say it's not. That. It's not pink eye. It's acute iritis. It's irongus. That's what it is. Irongus. It's irongus. What are we talking about today? Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the roles of pastors. I like that, Mm. especially since, well... One of us here is a pastor. Well, actually, technically, two technically, of us. Yeah, two, two of us. Hey, yeah, congratulations to Jim. Two nope, of us are you're not you. We're not talking so, about you. I just want to thank you guys for your you support. You are still an elder candidate. You are and not yet a pastor. But we do have somebody here who is a pastor. All of your emails because we're not just talking about tweets, the role of pastors uh, in general. In my you still haven't done it. To be yeah, a they're supporting elder. you in your eternal journey. Now, now my, I'm, a, I'm a perpetual elder. I got it. Listen, we got we got stuff to do. We got to. All right, fine. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to talk about the different kinds of pastors, the different roles that pastors yes. take. But uh, we're not doing this on our own. A friend of ours, a very good friend of ours, Tyler Dravitz, is here. Tyler is the executive pastor of Ridgeline Church Plant in Salt Lake City, and he is the creator, uh, the man behind a new ministry called MyXP.Church. Tyler, welcome. Thanks for coming on to the podcast, man. Thanks so much for having me today. Now, Tyler, when he said 
Did he pronounce it right? Because he was pronouncing it wrong for so many years. For years, yeah. For oh, your last name? Yeah. yeah. That's because you have a weird German name, and I'm yep. not German, and nobody pronounces it right. And Jimmy, nope. you are the you can't talk because you can't pronounce anything. I pronounce everything perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I have the impeccable English. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, so I've known Tyler for goodness. How long? Seven years? Eight years? Only? Yeah, as I long mean, as Redemptions existed. So nine. So yeah. I've watched. I've watched you and Pastor Ryan and Pastor Scott plant a church, and then I've seen you um, move on to another church context, and and now you've got a new church plant going. Why don't you? Why don't you tell everybody else though? Because they don't know your story. Yeah, they don't know you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what your experience in ministry has been so far. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think from a very young age, I felt called to full time vocational ministry, and I think that was always involved in a church, grew up in the church, and and like any good church kid, decided I would be a youth pastor. Of course. And like so I uh, came out here to this area and uh, was going to Trinity, majoring in youth ministry, until I realized that um, I don't really like teenage kids. <laughs> they, they weren't really nice to me growing up, and I had that like Vietnam flashback thing right, going right. on when I would PTSD, serve in youth group. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so I just decided that that wasn't really for me. And and, and another thing I had kind of noticed both in high school and then uh, as I was a part of a church plant in the Lake Zurich area was just uh, the things that I paid attention to and the things that I cared about and the things that um, really got me excited about ministry were a little bit different than the average. They and the were, things that bothered you. Yeah, the, yeah absolutely. The <laughs> right? things that bothered me, the things that I looked at, whether I was at my own church, whether I was at another church, they were just uh, what I you know, kind of refer to as the details of ministry, mm. the, the things that a lot of people don't think about, whether or not the slide person is going fast enough so that it doesn't catch anyone off guard when the next word comes up, whether mm-hmm. the moving backgrounds, as I know you love so much, <laughs> oh, I love but, but the fact that those can be terribly distracting from a worship environment, yeah. the temperature in the room, how welcoming people are, all of these kind of things are the things that I cared about and wanted to talk about. And I just was learning that I was kind of in the min- minority as it pertained mm-hmm. to, you know, pastoral conversations I was, ha- was having with other people in uh, similar type roles. And so, um, you know, I uh, was working for Starbucks. I worked for Starbucks for 10 years and was a district manager and had a lot of logistical role in that. Is and that, is that like a, is that like a fancy barista? What is a district yeah, manager? Yeah. Is so that... I, I oversaw up to 25 different locations. Oh, wow. Uh, and just kind of partnered with a manager, made sure that they knew what they were doing, made sure that they were optimizing growth for developing their partners, for growing sales, for all of those kind of things. Here's a piece of advice. Here's a a piece of advice. Don't start off by telling people, I worked for Starbucks for 10 years. You say for 10 years, I was the district manager of like 150 Starbucks or something. Say it like that because when you say I worked for Starbucks for 10 years, I go, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was regional manager. Yeah, That's what you were. I was regional manager. Like a barista. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay, just say, just say. Because you were a baller in Starbucks. I mean, from my understanding, like you were getting They they needed your gifts. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, so then you were... You know, you were in Starbucks management at a high level for 10 years. Yep. I would imagine you make pretty good money at that sort of a thing, right? I did. I I was uh, so when I got promoted, I was one of the youngest district managers in the company's history, wow. and oh, uh, wow. as a 24 year old man, uh, single, mate, single 24 year old <laughs> man, yes sir, I made well into six figures. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then okay. you decided 
I that, think I would rather make nothing uh, comparatively yes, yeah, and, be for a sure. and be a pastor. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, we were uh, launching Redemption, and uh, I was working for Starbucks at the time, and we just got to a point where we realized that uh, Redemption needed more of my time than Starbucks should righteously give. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just made the decision to leave that career behind and to step into full-time vocational ministry as the executive pastor of Redemption Bible Church. The Redemption Bible Church... Uh, a local church here in the Chicagoland area, yeah, yeah. Um, started by Pastor Ryan Hughley, yourself, yeah. uh, Huggy, we like to call him, uh, or Hulkley, and now he's all jacked up and on roids, um, and or supplements, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you want to call it. Uh, yeah. And then um, and Scott Holthouse, or however you pronounce his name. You all have weird German names. Yep. Um, and that has always been one of the churches that we love to tell people to mm. go to, not because it's just like Redeemer. Yeah, it's yeah. actually not. Now, in terms of our basic beliefs and what we value and our mission or view of mission and culture, we're, we're the same, yep. but it feels different and yeah. things are run differently. Um, and But it's, it's a church we've enthusiastically recommended to people and you're a big part of that. And it's interesting because in your role as, as executive pastor, the things that you have to talk about, care about, and, and, and deal with sometimes are pretty obviously about discipleship, but other times they're not so obviously about the, the point of the church, but they are absolutely critical mm-hmm. to the issue. Like people don't always see the connection. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your 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 experience at moving from redemption to an established church and to what you're doing now. And then we're going to get into the, some of these details about executive pastors and what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as Ryan accepted a call to a church in uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, he got the call as a senior pastor there. And a few months later, the executive pastor position was open and I accepted that role as well. Um, I think one of the things that was interesting and one of the things that I think is interesting in general is that uh, the role of the executive pastor is so wildly misunderstood. Right. Yeah, and, and it seems to be a garbage term that is applied to anyone who's not the senior pastor that like has a high level of influence and leadership, Mm. but that's really where the commonalities stop. And so uh, they've had executive pastors at this church in the past. I was probably the most kind of traditional executive pastor as far as looking at the systems and finances and all of that kind of stuff and really overseeing uh, that variety of things. And so um, it was a pretty uh, interesting transition into that church body, just helping them see um, that there's uh, different types of pastors. Being in the South, it was really Mm -hmm. traditional Southern culture. And so that was uh, really different for a lot of them to be able to understand and, and, and really get on board with. Yeah. And you're a Yankee. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah weird. exactly. You're weird. There's then. no accent whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talk too fast. <laughs> you, Actually, so not to take too much time, but I was teaching uh, the step one class. It was kind of people's first step to getting connected. Is that an aerobic class? Uh, no, one? it just it sounds like an aerobic class. <laughs> you know, it's aptly named. It's everyone's first step to getting connected. Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. I was teaching it. It was my very first time teaching it. I had been at the church for about a month and I was like going through my material, excited to get people connected. Right. And, uh, a woman raised her hand and she said, she said, I'd like to welcome you to the South. And I got to tell you, you're going to have to slow way down <laughs> if you want anyone to understand what you're talking about. See, they about. admit that they're slower down there. That's true. They oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's just, no they, qualms they, they about that. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> All right. So you guys, you guys go there and you're there for about a year. A uh, year and a half. Yep. All right. So what happened? I mean, I, I know it's, you know, 
whatever, however, however you want to talk yeah. about it. But sure. Yeah. I mean, I just think that uh, what we found was uh, a difference in understanding of what the opportunity would look like and, and what uh, the church was looking for in terms of leadership and, yeah. and the way the church was led. Um, and something that we finally got to a point uh, together where we just felt like, um, and by we, you mean you and Ty, you and you, uh, me and Ryan, Ryan and Scott. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And and just felt like uh, God has called us to a very particular type of ministry. We feel really passionate about that. Yeah. And um, we were in a place where we wouldn't have the ability to uh, see that kind of come to fruition right. uh, in that environment. And so, uh, after a lot of prayer and and you know a lot of kind of God ordained circumstances. Uh, we're headed out to plant Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City. All right, so awesome. This is this is just as an aside, guys. You know, I I know that Tyler and Ryan and Scott went out there in full faith, uh, enthusiastically to they follow the Lord and to do this thing. And they didn't disobey God in going. This was a part of the plan. Yeah. And you went there, and I, I I can imagine that there was good, amazing things that happened, and a lot of painful things that happened. And now God is leading you to do this next thing. And I like that's sometimes the that's sometimes the journey, right? Yeah, that's sometimes absolutely. the plan. Like mm-hmm. he's, and you guys are supposed to do this. Like I just I, I know you're wired to plant a church and, and to and to plant churches um, from scratch so that the culture and the DNA of the church reflects the values um, and, and the biblical truths that you guys really hold dear. So I'm I'm excited for you, but you're you're not just going now. You're all moving to Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. Um, you're not just doing that. At the same time, you have started something called MyXP. Can you explain to us what this thing is, MyXP? You're wearing a T-shirt right now that says <laughs> MyXP. Tell us what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, as we were going back to plant a church, obviously having three full-time staff members uh, is not a real thing. Uh, as you go to plant a church or, you know, probably shouldn't be anyway. Um, and so we all started kind of looking at, uh, so what are we going to do vocationally and, and, and tell God should provide for us to come on staff. And so immediately I kind of looked at, uh, going back to Starbucks and had a couple of conversations along that route and, and a couple of things were working out really well. But, uh, as I was having these conversations, I just, I just got this strong sense that I felt like, um, there's lots of people who can, handle Starbucks and who can, who can be passionate about coffee. But I believe that God has uniquely uh, called and equipped me to serve the church. And so I just started thinking about if there was a way that I could uh, serve the church and, and, and um, bless other churches. uh, Meanwhile, being able to be a part of Ridgeline, I just, I wanted to see what happened. And so that's where my XP came from. It came from the reality that I have served as an executive pastor in a small church. I've served as an executive pastor in a really large church. And I think, uh, and I know there's some who would disagree with me, but I think my perspective is that unless there's a good staff to manage, I don't know that I think that the executive pastor role is a full-time role Mm. uh, at any given church. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think there's a lot of very important work that needs to be done. And so much of it could be done uh, remotely. I think we're starting to see different bookkeeping operations and different people kind of parceling it out and and providing right. that, uh, that service to churches. But I think as far as uh, somebody having their eyes on all of the different things, all of the different details, getting people connected to your church, the expenses, not just bookkeeping, but like, how are we spending God's money and, right. and how can we spend it better? And how can we align our spending to match up with the mission he's called us to all of those kind of things. And I those are, that's, that's just budgetary issues. You're oh yeah. About. yeah, yeah. It goes way beyond that. Sure. And I want us to wait cause we're going to get to that in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I want us to give a, a good plug to myxp.church. 
uh, listen, Jimmy and I do not promote stuff on the website mm-hmm. uh, unless we are getting paid. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Getting uh, paid. Uh, we are not getting paid for this. <laughs> nope. We don't like our friends. Like, hey, man, you want to promote my thing? We really just don't do that because we're we're trying to do something very specific. We yeah. only want to give you guys really good resources that we believe in or use. Um, Tyler is an amazing pastor. He's an amazingly gifted executive pastor. Um, he is why we have guys like Brian and Jim here because they have similar gift sets that Tyler has. Um, I mean, in goodness, the the idea that Tyler could work as a virtual executive pastor for other churches. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. What do people say about Tyler? I mean, we talk to people all the time that are in ministry and pastors, and they know who Tyler is and what he does. Well, I mean, they, they really hit on uh, your faithfulness, your, your giftedness, mm. uh, but then also your pastoral heart. So it's mm. not just about um, systems and management. It's not just about kind of, you know, tweaking things, but it's about how do you help shepherd people, yeah. uh, you know, into this deeper relationship mm-hmm. with God. And I think that's really important. A lot of XPs, yeah. at least in my, from my understanding and, and some of my experience, have been mainly focused on the business aspect of what, the, what ministry, quote-unquote business aspect. Yep. Um, Abstracted but, from <laughs> discipleship almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. But I think what we've all said, what Joe and I have, and I, and I see Tyler uh, really exhibiting, is that the executive pastor should first and foremost be a shepherd that handles systems and communication right. and management well. Yeah. You know? Totally. Definitely. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the different kinds of pastors that yeah. you find in local churches, right? Think senior pastor or um, associate pastor, for example. So we want to talk about those things and the value of having these different kinds of pastors in a given t- context. We're going to cover executive pastor. And then I want to really, because I don't think you're going to, I don't think most guys, especially at small churches who don't know what an executive pastor is, is going to care a whole lot about my XP dot church if, mm. if they don't understand why it's important. So um, why don't we just back up a little bit and uh, and talk about pastors and elders, right? Every church needs pastors and elders, right? Absolutely. Now, yeah. pastors and elders, same thing. Yeah. There's no difference. We're saying that's synonymous. Yeah. For us, they're synonymous. Now, other churches differentiate things and they create stuff and Some become divisions. inventive and, you know. Yeah, different levels of authority. Yeah, they basically take ecclesiology and throw it in the garbage. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> that's it. That's so, it. But, but biblically speaking... Model. Uh, oh, I didn't. Wow. Okay. Can you edit that? Are you going to bleep that? You got to bleep that. Up. All right. So um, we've got the pastors are elders, and we need a plurality of, of of pastors or elders in the church. And we also believe in something called parity. So at, at Redeemer, we really believe that every elder, whether you're volunteer or staff, we have equal authority. Um, yeah. And so we we work together. The, the the lead pastor or the senior pastor doesn't have more authority than the volunteer pastor. If you're an elder, you're an elder. And we're all the same. One might have a different emphasis or a different focus or a different gift set and different responsibilities. But in terms of authority, we all work together. Now, having said that, um, we do need pastors with different gifts. And oftentimes, uh, the strengths of one pastor will compensate for the weaknesses in others. And this is why diversity on a pastoral team is so important. Because, Tyler, Ryan doesn't have your gifts. No. Jim... (laughs) I don't have Jim's gifts. No, Jim probably has my gifts. I definitely do not have Jim's yeah, see, gifts. Yeah. We don't need Joe, but we I can, need me. I could be right, fired right. any time in the church. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. 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 We lose yeah. Brian That's pretty Jim. much how it goes. Yeah. Brian and I, we got this. Yeah. Locked yeah. down. <laughs> so that's that's really what we're talking about. We want leadership that isn't all the same. You don't yeah. want you don't want three Joe Thorns or three um, uh, Tyler uh 
Dravitz. You you want you want different people to balance one and out one another out in their strengths and weaknesses. And so why is that though, Joe? Like if you think of you know um, the giftings of each individual, why is it important to complement? Like what's the danger? I, I I'm you know yeah. quote unquote danger mm-hmm. of three Joes. Well, I mean, <laughs> how much glory can you take? I mean, that's you wouldn't be able to hear anything over the sound of rushing awesomeness. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Is that what it is? Um, yeah, there'd be a lot of pink eye. I think. That's what that would be. <laughs> I don't know. I would say um, I actually like, and I know people. Some people are going to go, but I like the idea of having a very basic understanding that, in some way, leadership boils down to prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. I do like that. I think that that's. It, it's not the only way. It's it's not the edge, but I think it's helpful that some leaders are more prophetic. They're the more visionary preaching. Uh, verbal kind. Some are more priestly. They're more hands-on, yeah. dealing with people, counseling. And some are more kingly. They're dealing with oversight, management, systems, and problem-solving, right? Things like that. Yeah. So um, just putting it in that way should make it fairly obvious, right? Guys like obvious. Tyler and Jimmy are those kingly types. Um, I am more prophetic. Yeah. And if you can put and yourself... Uh, and and pro- I'm pathetically prophetic. And prophetically <laughs> pathetic. That's you what go. you're saying. Um so when you kind of look at it, I would say like, well, I, I can do the prophetic thing by God's grace. I can do um, the priestly thing by God's grace. And Jimmy will have to do the kingly thing <laughs> because I ain't got no game there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's why, because if you have everybody who's the same, you're going to have the same weaknesses and the church is really going to be out of balance in that way. But when you have a, a multiplicity of, of leaders who have different strengths and weaknesses, it's easier for us to be honest with each other and push one another where we need to be pushed when there are problems that need to be solved. Absolutely. Fair enough. Agree 110%. All right. So why don't we just talk about some of the pastors? What kind of pastors do we have in a church? We got senior pastor. Yeah. Or lead pastor. Some right. Call, Same yeah. thing. Uh, some, some churches will have like the preaching pastor. Who might not be the lead pastor. Who not? Yeah. Their one role is to proclaim the word. Right. Every Sunday. Right. And maybe do some uh, teaching midweek service right. type right, right. thing. Right. But they don't, the, the preaching pastor doesn't typically have a lot of authority, say. And, and like but I think they pastor. would help with the direction. Wouldn't doesn't some, a lot of preaching pastors have are part of vision pastoring? Yep, yep. But but oftentimes churches that have a preaching pastor, he uh, has a, a less involvement in uh, decision making than other churches that just might have a lead pastor who is the preaching pastor. Yeah, we got the executive pastor. Yep, uh, the associate pastor and, and the associate pastor. All right, so senior pastor, lead pastor. Who is this? Who's who's the senior pastor? What does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, well, at least a redeemer. Tyler, do you have anything good oh, to go say? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't, Jim was going to try, but I just thought. Sure. Yeah, I was yeah. going to bomb, gonna bomb like, it, so might as well have you do yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the lead pastor is responsible for the leadership of the church. I think uh, I think the leadership and the vision. So where are we at right now and where are we headed? Hmm. Uh, those two things. And then uh, at least in, in kind of my background also than the preaching as well. Right. Uh, so uh, what we always said at Redemption with Ryan, he was in, responsible for people, preaching, and vision. And those were kind of the three buckets that he focused in and, and put all his time in. That's good. That's good. Um, all right. And then uh, what about, what, what, are, what are some of the, say, um, misconceptions about senior pastor that you think is, is common out there? Mm. Because I know, I know what we try to, we, we push hard on this at Redeemer, uh, and we've already mentioned it, but the, the senior pastor or the lead pastor is what we call it here, um, is not the Pope. Yeah. 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 They're not in charge of everything. They don't have all authority. No. Uh, yeah. Not unchecked yeah. in that regard. I float ideas and the other others go, oh, we, we, that's yeah. no good. No, that, gets, that ain't going to work. Yeah. We burn Stop that, that thing down Stop right it. away. 
Um, so that's one that I can think of. I think another one is that all uh, all responsibility, like what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say is like they're supposed to do all the work of right. ministry, right? Yeah. Like uh, they're expected to be at every function, at every ministry event. They're expected right. to to spearhead any new initiatives. Mm. Uh, and so I think, especially I think at a smaller church, that, that kind of happens often. Sure. Uh, where, where the congregation or people expect, uh, or they have these certain expectations that are unrealistic mm-hmm. uh, on a senior pastor right. when they should be focusing, as Tyler was saying at the beginning, even like with Ryan, on preaching people. What was the other one? Vision. Vision yep. Right? PPV. PPV. Yep. Yeah. And I think, um, I think one uh, kind of one error that people have or, you know, kind of wrong thought is that, uh, you know, the lead pastor is always extroverted. I think that that's something that, you know, like, so he gets up and preaches and so he's really, uh, warm or really, uh, outgoing up in the pulpit. And so then, you know, he wants to be my best friend and come over for dinner every night and all of those kind of things. And I think that uh, what I have found is quite the opposite actually. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that's true in my case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just told, I just told the whole church, was it this Sunday or last Sunday? Every I said, Sunday. I said, I said, how do you view your neighbor? How do you view the people that you see around you? I said, now, the way I view, not people here at the church, people at church, I love you, you're my family, but everybody else in the world, you're either inconsequential or inconvenient to me. That's basically <laughs> it. Those are the only two buckets yeah, that, that I have for people in the world. That's a quote right there. Um, that's the that's quote good. of that's a good. sermon. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, and I know it's wrong. I admitted it was wrong. I'm just saying like, yeah, I'm definitely more of an introvert. So, mm. But the senior pastor, lead pastor, I think we all agree, that's the, the visionary, the guy that's kind of making sure that we've got good leaders in yeah. place. He's you know, leading the charge oftentimes doing a lot of the preaching. And then we have the preaching pastor in some churches. These are usually larger churches mm-hmm. um, where they have the senior pastor who's casting the vision perhaps, or uh, they have a different leadership structure where the preaching pastor doesn't have a lot of responsibilities outside of the regular proclamation of the word. In fact, some churches um, want this guy to focus exclusively on writing, on preaching, yeah. on teaching, and he does no counseling, he does nothing else. They just want him to do that thing. Right or wrong, that's just one of those things. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. Let's talk about the executive pastor now, Tyler, because this is this is your this is your thing. wheelhouse right that's here. That's right. All right, so we've got the the lead pastor who is doing probably doing all the pre- most of the preaching. Yep. Um, vision, people, all that stuff. Executive pastor. Why does a church need whether it's part time or whatever? Sure. Why does a church need an executive pastor? Yeah, uh, an executive pastor at a Mosaic church in Florida wrote a book called uh, Defining the Role of the Executive Pastor. His name's Phil Taylor, and I really like his definition. The role of the executive pastor is to implement the vision of the lead pastor of the church. Uh, Sometimes in some churches, that's the entire elder board. Sometimes it's uh, a different group of people, but but whatever that vision of the church is, uh, it's 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 his his job to implement that. And by implement that, I think that uh, great uh, great lead pastors, great visionaries understand. Here's where we're at today, and they understand. Here's where they want to be. But when you look at all of the dots to connect where we're at today and where yeah. we want to be, there's like really not even a lot of consequence given to that. Not yeah. a lot of thought. It's we have to get here, fair. whatever whatever it takes, whatever it costs. And then it's the role of the executive pastor to actually figure out what is it going to take? Who do we need to mobilize? Right. What do we need to spend? Is it even possible All sometimes? Right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. Sometimes you've got to say, this is not going to sure. happen. Sure, yeah. There, there have been a few times where I've been I've been <laughs> tasked with a uh, you know some sort of uh, Easter egg hunt via helicopter type mm. idea that yeah. like, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And, and still to this Because day, Jesus didn't want it to happen, That's probably. Right. <laughs> not just because logistically it would be a nightmare. That's right. 
Okay, so w- when I think about the executive pastor, um, and I'll just be honest, uh, Tyler was the first executive pastor that I ever knew. And uh, me and all the other guys that I know in the area would go, dang, we need a, we need a Tyler. <laughs> we need a Tyler. <laughs> Where can we get a Tyler? I've never seen one. He, he, he's like a... He's like a, a, a zebra. He's like a, not, what is it? Wait, what, a no, not a zebra. What is it? I don't unicorn. know. Unicorn. Okay. Unicorn. <laughs> I haven't seen a zebra either, so I don't know if it's real. <laughs> You're like a unicorn. You're like a mythical creature. Sure. Like uh, this executive pastor guy. That how'd you get zebra? Though? I was I trying to. I was that. trying. I couldn't remember the name of the, of the horse with the horn on its head. All right, continue. Anyway, <laughs> you're, you saw, he's a zebra. He's a he's a zebra. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, no, you're like this mythical creature. We're like, wow, you're a pastor, but you're focusing on these things. And the thing that impressed me the most is is that wow, um, you're able to look at the church as a whole and see this system, see the 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 the, the way the heart beats and how the muscles work and and how the blood is flowing and go, wow, we've got a, like a doctor you could diagnose. There's actually a problem here. Uh, in, in the biomechanics of the church almost. And we, and we need to address this issue so that the body can function well. Like you were able to problem solve um, and you were able to help then not just the church function better as an organism, but so that it could flourish as a disciple-making mm-hmm. uh, church. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really what it is. I just, I loved that. And that's what I, we really wanted for Redeemer. Um, so the when when you're thinking about this whole idea of local churches needing executive pastors, what can you tell them? Like, why would they need one? Like, I think a lot of people would like, I don't need an executive pastor. I need a youth pastor or I need a worship leader. When do they need an executive pastor and why? Maybe you could explain. That. Yeah. I think that, I think that churches need someone who can fulfill a lot of the executive pastor roles. Uh, even if it's a new church plant, even pre-launch, there is so much to do so many filings with the state, so many, uh, 501c3 and all of these mm-hmm. kind of things. And I think that uh, why does a church need an executive pastor? Because the lead pastor needs to focus on the things that a lead pastor needs to focus yeah. on. Uh, as I've had an opportunity to talk to some lead pastors about my XP, the number one thing I see is this weight crushing the lead pastors out there. And it really, uh, it's stuff that they're not good at. It's stuff that, you know, when it, when you de- when you deal with government things like filing with the state and all of that, I think somewhere in the, their mind, lead pastors wonder if like the feds are going to show up and haul them away for not filing something <laughs> right and all of that. And I think for a lot of people, it's unknown. And so it's scary. It's yeah. also legal. And and I think that um, all churches really need to do that. And I think what I have found is that um, so many churches and for so many years, um, churches have kind of interacted with some of those things in a way that uh, they just seemed like it didn't really matter or because they're a church, it's going to be okay. Or, you know, uh, if you're ignorant, it's fine. And I think that it's really important, especially given the landscape of our country, yeah. uh, that churches set the example and what it means to submit to the governing authorities, what it means to file everything we need to in a way and, and in a way that, you know, both honors the Lord and submits to what we're supposed to do. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Jimmy, like when you think about what maybe there are, maybe there is another issue. Like why would a church need an executive pastor? Again, doesn't matter whether it's volunteer, part-time, full-time. Um, what, what's another reason that you can think of? I think another one is the protection of the lead pastor or the, the, the pastors themselves, like the elder board. Um, because I think uh, a lot of times the lead pastor takes the, the brunt of a lot of things that are going on within the life of the church. And the executive pastor, I think you mentioned at the beginning, and I agree with it, uh, is to help fulfill the vision of the church. And so uh, there's a lot of details that, like you said, can crush. But it's also then 
sometimes there's some hard decisions that need to be made and it's hard for a lead pastor to do that. I know like, you know, pastors are, you know, I'm in leadership and I got these development and I got, but there are some hard conversations that need to be handled delicately. Um, and a lot of times, uh, time sensitive that the, the XP can step in and take care of those things to free up the lead pastor to focus on, on what God has gifted him, uh, to do. So I think there's a lot of it is, is protection in that regard, but I think it's also protection in, uh, not kind of going at this alone. And, and I know we talk about plurality of elders mm-hmm. and, but there's a unique, and that's a direction I'd like to talk about. There's a unique relationship between a lead pastor and their XP, yep. right? There's a lot of trust that has to be built and sustained there. Uh, because in a lot of ways, the XP is, I read a book sometime about like leading from the second chair, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so there's there could be jealousy if there's not a thing. Mm-hmm. If there's There could be animosity. There could be distrust. I mean, a lot of churches. It's sabotage. A lot of yeah. sabotage, right? And so there has to be, there's this unique relationship. And so part of that then is it's, it's a, it, there, I think the XP uh, is able to understand and empathize with the lead pastor in a way that, others might not be able to. Absolutely. Yeah. So then let's, you know, let's talk about that unique relationship. Like, how do you, how do you see that? Cause I, I could hear, I think a lot of times lead pastors are like, yes, I need that, but they don't understand what that means. Yep. They don't understand what they're giving up mm-hmm. when they have an XP. Sure. So let's, yeah. Why don't we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things that you're willing to give up is uh, you have to give up a bit of authority and control. Yeah. I think that um, you have to be willing to understand that you don't know what's best in all things. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and there's a lot of things. I think one of the things I love so much about the relationship I have with Pastor Ryan, we're planning Ridgeline together, is just there's no insecurity in the relationship at all. The things that That's I'm good word, at, yep. I'm I'm good at and I, I, you know, win on, you know, I get to speak with authority on and the things that he's good at, he does. And, and I think that we're both kind of, you know, as iron sharpens iron, we're both sharpening one another all of the time, but there are, even though he's the lead pastor and he, he does have that kind of authority as the lead pastor. Um, there are so many times when he, uh, really, uh, willingly submits to the direction that I'm saying we need to go for whatever reason. And he really trusts that I'm not. And I think the reason that trust is so important is that if I were a manipulative person and not on board with the vision and, and the direction of the church, I could, say lots of legalese or lots of reasons why we shouldn't do what he wants to do just because I wanted to. Uh, but that's where he has to trust that I'm, I'm trying to get the same place he is and I'm just doing my best to make sure that we do it in a way that, uh, is sustainable and, you know, and ongoing. So that doesn't mean like, like what you're saying is, or you're not saying you and Ryan are on different islands operating, uh, independently. But you know, Ryan and you can have the conversation. You can have the conversation with him and yet one is going to submit to the other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but publicly, you stand together absolutely. in that thing. And that's, yep. that's the important thing because I think it, oftentimes we see two competing visions sure. between the lead pastor yep. and the, ex, uh, the executive pastor uh, where, yes, what, you know, we, the XP is supposed to support the lead pastor, but the lead pastor needs to give the freedom and authority you know, to the XP yep. to allow them to fulfill that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that sometimes uh, an XP, a good XP, can get mistaken as kind of a yes man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they're truly a good executive pastor, as I think about my relationship with Ryan, anyone who has ever shared a wall with either of our offices can attest to the fact that uh, <laughs> it's not just yes manning going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an awful lot of what uh, a term, did, I, I, yeah, term we used at Starbucks was robust conversation mm, yes. that takes place between. A lot between, of synergy. synergy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, that takes place between an idea and a decision yes so yeah so you know when 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 churches are i'm trying to think about this from the perspective of these churches who uh, are, are probably smaller um they 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 have maybe one full-time staff pastor maybe they have two and they're trying to figure out like when do i need an executive pastor and the things that come to my mind are is um most of us need help figuring out what's not working at our churches and sometimes you just can't even see that and the executive pastor is able to diagnose. Yeah. Sometimes you can see it. You know exactly what's wrong with your church because that's relatively easy to figure out, I think. But you don't know how to fix it. You don't know, like, how do we get this back on track? Whether it's how do we assimilate people who are visiting? How do we make sure that they have a, a, an, an, an understood and easy, easy way to move forward into once they've trusted Christ to become a member and become involved in ministry and to become mature in Christ? Um, what do these processes look like? Or... Um, what's next for us? We've reached our goal. What should be the next goal? Um, the executive pastor can be really helpful in that. And that kind of leads us to myxp.church. Yeah. Um, I am genuinely excited. I didn't even get a t-shirt, by the way. I don't have a myxp cheat t-shirt. You got one coming. So, okay. Oh. All right. I got one <laughs> for coming. sure. For sure. <laughs> so Everyone wants stuff for free. That's huh? right. That's I told right. you. Everyone wants stuff for free. <laughs> that's right. Even JoJo. I like free stuff. It's great. And it's great. That's my favorite. Yeah. All right. So. Tell, tell us about myxp.church and, and how it works and how, like, just maybe paint a picture for a church that would use that resource. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, kind of our tagline is to provide logistical support for local churches in the area of finance, systems, and administration. And uh, like I had mentioned, what I have uh, come to find is that while churches, you know, up to a few hundred people desperately need the support, uh, I don't think that the wisest uh, financial investment is a full-time staff member uh, being paid. Yeah. And some people can come up with that as a part-time role and, and some different things. I think one of the things that's difficult about that is that unless someone's actually skilled in that area, it can make a bit more of a mess than it can be a blessing. Uh, if somebody's just doing it in their free time, or maybe you've got a yeah, business right. exec at the church and they don't understand, there's such a complex difference between even accounting in the for-profit world and counting non-for-profit and then accounting for churches, it's all different. Yeah. And so just because you have someone who's an accountant doesn't mean that they're going to be able to handle the right. books for the church well. And so I think that there's a huge need for that early on, but I just don't think that uh, it's something that um, that a church should invest their money in. I think one of the things, and I can say this uh, being a bit of an introvert myself, I love behind the scenes, I love the details, but I think especially as a church is a few hundred people, probably the most savvy investment in payroll is someone who uh, is a bit more uh, attractional in nature, somebody like a youth pastor, a children's person, someone who's going to really help pour into the people uh, and just inherently based on the role and our giftings. uh, As an executive pastor, that's not my strong suit. I'm going to create an environment where connection can happen, but I'm probably not the one driving the connection like out front. And so I think that uh, being able to do that remotely, being able to provide that kind of support um, is is something I'm really passionate about, something I think that is is so needed in the church and something that I think that um, I hope can, can be a real blessing. Uh, honestly, the best 
way for me to articulate how it works is that on a weekly basis, I will have a one-on-one that lasts about an hour with the senior pastor, the lead pastor, whatever you want to call it, of the church to understand what are they currently facing. Uh, It's my goal. I think that a lot of churches have consultants. A lot of churches have coaches. Pastors have no shortage of people trying to help them figure out how to solve their problems. And I think where my XP is different is that we want to get in and solve the problem for you. We want to get in and actually uh, Mm -hmm. be kind of the hands and feet to figuring out what that problem is. And so uh, there's a lot of services listed on the website. Um, but the reason, you know, and people have asked me, how will you do all of these things? Well, no church needs all of those things at the exact same time. Right. If, if the role of the executive pastor is to implement the vision of the church, then that connection between myself and the senior pastor of the church is going to be really important because mm-hmm. I need to understand what are they focused on? Maybe right now they just have a problem and they're launching small groups and they just can't get anyone to right. sign up for small groups. Well, then we're going to review. So first of all, what's the mechanism you have? How are we following up? All yeah. of those kind of things. And not only am I going to coach you on that, but then I'm going to spend time uh, throughout the rest of the week, figuring out how can we come up with a better solution that, that again, creates an environment conducive for that. There's still going to be a lot of work left on that local staff, the local yeah. pastor to, to kind of do the parts that I can't do remotely, but there's just so much of it that I can. So you're not just, you're, you know, you're not just consulting, you're not just coaching, though there is an aspect of that yeah, in yeah. all sure. of this. Um, you are given permission to speak into uh, the the, the workings of the church to give specific, you know, counsel for them and, and direction. It's up to them if they're going to do it or not. Sure. But then you, it's not just that conversation because you will do work, you know, outside of that phone call yep. for these groups, whether it's managing their books yep. and all kinds of stuff. Let me just tell you this. I know we're running short on time now, but let me just say this. When Redeemer, because we're like, you know, small to mid-sized church now. Um, when when we we had Tyler come in and we asked Tyler, Tyler, help us with our assimilation process, right? When a person walks in the front door to becoming a functional member of the church who's involved in ministry and maturing in, in grace. What, so help us figure that out. We couldn't even say it that way. And so, so Tyler <laughs> comes in, he goes, what's your assimilation process? And I, I, I explained what it was, and he goes, I don't remember him saying it exactly like this, but this is what happened. He was like, you yeah, dummy, that ain't no assimilation. That's what he said. Yeah. He said, you know what? You put the, no, he didn't say it. He said, that's, he goes, that's not good. Here's how I would recommend you do it. And it changed everything for us. It was, it was, it was, it helped us to be more biblical. And then when we had to go to two services, cause we have a small space, brought Tyler back in mm-hmm. uh, and, the, and the whole crew. And um, we said, how do we do this? And, and he was the one that said, here's how you do it. Here's how you map it out. So these are just two examples that in my own life where Tyler functioned as an XP for us. Uh, and it was, it was really transformative. So if they, if they want to learn more about MyXP, uh, it's MyXP.church, right? Yes, sir. Yep. And there's uh, information, details, ways to contact you. Um, they might need you for a season. Uh, they might need you for three years, yep. right? It doesn't matter. You're pretty open. You have different ways in which people can, sure. can work with you on that. Yeah. Right? I mean, ideally what I, what I hope to see people do, I have kind of a monthly subscription okay. uh, and people sign up for that. Uh, there's no commitment to that other than you give me a 30 day notice, letting me know that either it's not working out for whatever reason, or maybe we've identified someone within your local body who can step into that right. role. There's a lot of uh, things that that could do, but the reason I prefer that uh, I certainly will do project management and things like that. But the reason I prefer the monthly subscription is it gives me an opportunity to actually become a partner with that church to right. become, 
uh, remote staff member where I can understand. I don't want to be caught in, you know, scope of work and weird things. I just want to, I want to be able to serve in whatever way I can. And, you know, and with a monthly subscription, you get the entire kind of package and whatever that means, we're going to work together to figure that out. And so, yeah, on the website, myxp.church, there's a place to schedule a connect. You can even pick out the time that works best for you. And we would love to just kind of talk to you uh, more. There's no obligation, no cost to any of that initial connect. And so we can just talk more about what that might look like. Well, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, uh, D&D loves Tyler, mm-hmm. and we love what you're doing with my XP. Yeah, um, yeah. we don't love Ryan. No, Ryan. We love you. We like Ryan. Ryan's, yeah, yeah Ryan. I like Ryan. Only, yeah, we only like Ryan when he's with Tyler. Well, yeah, that's but without it doesn't work any other way. It doesn't work any other way. That's just it. Yeah, yeah. No good. No, no good. Like the church name and logo. Oh my gosh, what's it called? Rhino Plasty. Rhino Ridgeline. Oh, The Razorback. It's called Razor. All right. So Ridgeline. What about the church plant? Ridgeline. What's the website? Ridgeline.tv. Okay, there we go. All Sorry. right. Listen, it all like the other ones were taken. It's an infomercial now. <laughs> all the other ones were taken and right. I look constantly. Okay. No, okay, so ridgeline.tv to find about find out about uh, a gospel-centered, theology-strong, missionally engaged church plant in Salt Lake City. I've got people that are have just moved there that I know they're already interested in mm-hmm. plugging into this awesome. thing. So you guys got to check that out. Hit up myxp.church for um, for more information on what Tyler Dravitz is doing. Uh, Jimmy, what else is going on? Well, let us know what you guys are thinking about uh, the whole XP and lead pastor and associate pastor. We didn't really get to associate pastor. Well, that's because they don't really matter. No. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter (laughs) at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head out to the website, DoctrineDevotion.com. That was Jimmy. Uh, You can hit up the store. You can contact us. You can sign up for our email blast and sign up for the 2018 Doctrine and Devotion Conference on the Spirit and I hear it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Is that the thing? Is that how you say it? I don't know. Lit? I don't is know. Is that right? Is that what are the, the kids saying that? Sure. Doesn't that mean high? No, are you oh saying my. we high? I don't know. Am I? I'm not. I don't mean to say that. Fresh pod every Monday I'm trying and Thursday. To be, I'm trying to be relevant. on Wednesdays. I'm trying to make Calvinism cool. on Fridays. Later. Later.